It's life on life's terms. What's up, everybody? Uh, we're back after a little hiatus. The Life on Life's Terms podcast. And uh, as usual, YouTube is, like, not going all that crazy. Yeah, there we go. We're, uh, good. We're, we're, we're good now. And I'm Tom yeah. Robinson, a grateful recovering addict. And um, like I always say, we're not affiliated with any 12-step program, although we do endorse them. We do love them. Have uh, benefited from them. Yes. I am Chris Mandeville. I'm a recovered heroin addict. Uh, we're here at a New Wave Recovery Center in Quincy, Mass., on Quincy Ave. Um, they let us use this space to provide you with this podcast they do isn't that um, nice we do this for no monetary gain uh, no monetary gain yes we, Mon- we're just trying loss, to you might say help uh <laughs> help people you know who might not be able to get out to a meeting or some people are scared to go to meetings um and just it helps, to, helps me yeah um and we're just trying to trying to fill a niche of um you know just people at home. Like I, I, I know people that are at home with like three or four kids. I can't like drag them all to a meeting so they can at least stuff dinner in their face and watch, watch us on here or listen to us at any time, which you can do at lolterms.com. You yes. can like subscribe, please, share, please subscribe to the page. Um, what's up, Seth? Um, to the podcast on iTunes. Yes. Uh, uh iTunes Play. podcast. Podcast. Um, yeah. So tonight we have Ken. Um, the way I met Ken was at uh, <coughs> the Sorry. war anniversary meeting, correct? That's right. Yes. That's right. Um, over at South Shore Pier Recovery Center. You guys were in the um, war? Yes, we were at, we were at war. The big, Still in the war. The, yeah. big, the big war. Um, <laughs> and he was one of the guest speakers. But you had more to do with that place at one point, right? Yes. Yeah, so <clears throat> last year... Uh, I think it was in <coughs> April, I was hired to, to direct. I was the first director hired for South Shore Peer Recovery's uh, uh, walk-in center. And I was there about uh, six months, and we got a lot of great activities going and some great recovery momentum going. And nice. uh, Yeah, it was, uh, and it's still going, uh, going strong. Um, and uh, just to, to plug, you know, to plug um, something on on Tuesday night, I hear that there is a refuge recovery meeting starting. Uh, yes, somebody in the room here might be involved in that, and uh, maybe suspect, suspect. allegedly, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> allegedly. Um, so yes, actually, you, you mentioned it. I'm going to be uh, facilitating a refuge recovery meeting at uh, Social Pair Recovery Center starting November twelfth. Uh, it's going to be 51 Cole Parkway from 7 to 8.15. Um, so if you're interested in refuge recovery and want to check it out, swing through. Good stuff. Um, and you also facilitate refuge recovery. I do. <clears throat> so I'm um, new to the refuge recovery um, concept. I mean, I've been, in, I've been in recovery myself since... Um, 
I hate to say it out loud, but January 28th, 1972. What? Whoa. Yeah, it's a long time. Dude, yeah. I, dude. Am, I am truly a, a recovery dinosaur. I didn't, I, I never asked. Yeah. yeah. So you're, you are sober 40 longer than I have been alive. That is correct, sir. Stop it. That is correct. Yes, I was sir. born yeah. in August of 1972. There you go. That is Pardon my French, fucking pizza. <laughs> Serious, that's Thank awesome. No, was, that's I awesome. I was born in '71, uh, so I got. I, I, was, I, was. I graduated high school in you know in '71. So, <laughs> so, so, what does that mean? So, so, 47 years. But here's the thing. So, in in, in 1972, you know, I went into a therapeutic community in the Bronx, and I was able to live there for 18 months. Right. So back in those days, that kind of treatment was available, you know, uh, commonly. Yeah, 18 months, 24 months. Right. Like long-term treatment long-term meant fucking treatment. long-term. Right. right. How, how long-term. did you pay for such a thing? It was, you didn't, you didn't pay for it. It was mm. paid for by the federal government. It was paid for by the state of New York and, you know, wow. through, through private donations, but it was readily available. There was no insurance involved. Right, yeah. There were no academics and you know credentials involved. It was just. It was basically people like us helping people like us. Yeah. TC like right. therapeutic TC, community. Right. Right. So so the people that ran. So the program I was in was called Logos Center. Um, Logos. Logos Center. It was uh, started it in, a, in Victor a, Frankel. It was, I think logos means life or new life. I think that's meaning, meaning of some kind, or is that, because logotherapy was was Viktor Frankl's uh, thing. Ah, something to do with that. Maybe it's, maybe it's a different word. I think they took it, I think it's a, it might be a Greek word, Hmm. or it's Greek for life or or new life. There was a logos philosophy. You know, I can recite it for you if you want. Yeah. Oh, Let's, a one-page philosophy like yeah, we had? we had one at Turnabout, and, like, it, yeah. that meant so much, reading that and hearing that every day. Go ahead. Every day, yeah. We had a yeah. mo- morning meeting morning every meeting, day, yep. and, and somebody would get up and say, life has meaning and worth only when I, knowing the worst of myself, grow sufficiently to give of my best, um, Overcoming fear, the jailer of my heart and mind, to give me strength to welcome any test. So that's what wow. we—that's <clears throat> what we would say every day. The very it's a lot of similarities to the one we had. I think ours was a little longer. Yeah. I have it somewhere. Yeah, and I got to find it because it's like first let us know these things. Yeah, that that our lives matter. We were born with potential, and goes on. And I remember. When our facility had closed, the one that was in Hingham, and they moved it over to Weymouth. When you first get there, it seems like it goes on and on and on. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, and I, yes. so then there in Weymouth, and I went in, went in there and seen it on the wall, and I'm like, what is that? Yeah. They had changed like so much stuff in it for political correctness or whatever. Like, I don't mm. know. It, it just, Messed it all up. Yeah, I I believe. Well, you know, for, for better or for worse, uh, I mean, for me it was for better. Um, you know, the year and a half that I lived at Logos and was, you know, 
And the place was, you know, we, we, we jokingly referred to the people that ran the place as just, you know, we were all crazy and we were all maniacs and we all, um, you know, had no problem uh, getting into a circle three or four times a week, you know, for two hours a night. And we stripped each other down, and you know, psychologically and right, not literally, not literally, yeah. <laughs> no, not literally. Um, you called each other on your shit. Called yeah. each other on our shit. That's right. Yeah. And you know, it, it didn't happen in one two-hour session. You you needed mm. to be, you needed to be willing to change, right? Yeah. And they took That's that right. very very seriously. That's so they, awesome. Yeah. So there were. A few cardinal rules, you know. There was no violence. We had cardinal yeah. rules. <laughs> no violence. No, no, no chemicals of any kind. No stealing. No stealing. No threat of violence. Mm-hmm. There yeah. were maybe, yeah, maybe four cardinal rules. They're probably the same that we had. Yeah, yeah. Every Wednesday was rules and regs. Yeah. Every Wednesday we went over the meeting. To, so you couldn't say that you didn't know the rules. <laughs> you could not say that you didn't know the rules. <laughs> and then when when a cardinal rule was broken. Um, you know, if, if it was a male, so this was a co-ed program. Okay. okay? Hmm. So if it was a male, um, the choice was, okay, well, we're going to shave your head and you're going to wear a sign for a month and you're going to work in the kitchen washing dishes and pots uh, from six in the morning to midnight. And, or you could get the fuck out. Yeah. Um, and make room for somebody who really wants to get well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and that was the mentality. So yeah. they they took it very seriously, and uh, you know, like I said, there was there was federal and state money. So every now and then, and it didn't happen frequently, there might be a visit from somebody from the state. Mm-hmm. And so all the bald heads got in. You know, we got into a truck and we drove. You know down the street during the visit so really because it was controversial <laughs> yeah you know? absolutely yeah. yeah people would freak out if they saw you know that that people's heads were being shaved and, and that's what they said to me when i was in jail talking about turnabout they're like oh they make you shave your head you gotta wear a dress <coughs> yeah. so um kurt gerald said what's up oh, hi past the kurt I was gonna say you guys got to get Kurt on the on the on the podcast. Yeah, he's, we had a we had him on. We've had him on. Yes, you you can listen to his episode. It was great. New York New York boy. Hey Kurt, good to see you. Yeah, um, I misspelled his name when I put it out on iTunes. <laughs> yeah, Griffin. We fixed we fixed it. Though. <laughs> this is a tough one. This is a tough one. Yeah. So it was. Uh, <clears throat> so so what went on? So here's the thing. I don't uh, I don't know how many people. I mean, it, it worked for me, right? Right, mm-hmm. um, and, and I'm, I'm honestly, I'm truly glad that I went through it. Yeah, you know, it wasn't as, you know, as severe as the one you went through, but still, the basic concepts and right, the basic concepts involving addicts helping other addicts, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, knowing that we walk in the door with, you know, a, maybe a street image, or there's a lot of, a lot of. Um, callous on top of you know oh, our, yeah. our gut and on still yeah and you know <laughs> you know covering our hearts and a lot of defense that we build up right. fake you know. persona yeah fake. What, what, what do we exactly. call it imaging yeah imaging, imaging yeah. is right. what we that was yeah, our it was term. pretty it was pretty it was pretty brutal when i went through <laughs> yeah yeah it did it yeah. it, 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 ramped it changed right up. you know what i mean yes. it had like a it was organic and like depending on who came in and who left or right. you know it, it could you know, one person could change the dynamic, completely dynamic. change the dynamic of yeah. the house, yeah. whether good or bad. Right. 
you know? Right, depending on how strong the personality was. Yeah, yeah. What would happen is people would be in different, at varying levels of, say, recovery. Whether or not they were in the mafia. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hijackers. Hide note. You know, we, we, had, we had them all. But if people, yeah. people were, you know, not... People could be in early recovery in the program, and if somebody came in who was charismatic in a negative way, you know, mm. it, it could it could get the attention of folks who yes. are working on themselves and get them and set them back, yep, even right. to the point where you know if that person left, there would be people that would leave with him, you know, mm-hmm. because, yeah, right, because right, right, of the charisma. So yeah, it was yeah. always it was always touch and go. But uh, the process of, of breaking down those calluses and getting it, you know, your authentic self, it takes time, you know. So, so being in a program for a year and a half, you're you're working on that constantly. Yes. And the shaved heads yeah, and the and signs, oh, they're all they're all designed for a, for a therapeutic purpose, as harsh as it might seem. And for me, you know, it saved my life. So I'm I'm I don't have any criticism. I have nothing but gratitude for what i went through um, yes right. me me as well yeah. um, i'm so grateful that i went through that um and that was the only like I, I i did bridgewater you know there's no water like bridgewater i did 30 days over there because i was at lockup in quincy court and they said do you want to go to detox or jail i'm not stupid i mm-hmm. said detox okay mm-hmm. detox was jail yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was just a different section yeah, of right. the jail trick question yeah <laughs> Instead of going to Norfolk, I went to Bridgewater State Prison. Yeah. And uh, two months after that, I ended up in jail and went to turnabout from there. That's where I was paroled to. And it was the only exposure I had to a treatment center. And here I am yeah. 17 years later. It's all about that foundation, right? I mean, you get a chance to build a recovery foundation. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, you come out of treatment like I did, and, you know, there was no aftercare per se. Um, I was, like I said, it wasn't a 12-step program, so. Now, did did you guys go outside to meetings? We didn't go out, we didn't go outside to meetings. We would go outside to speak to groups and tell them our recovery stories mm. and tell them about the program, but. Wow, what kind of, what kind of groups? Oh, it would be like civic groups. It would be like schools. Huh. It would be the B'nai B'rith. It would be because uh, we were, B'nai B'rith. <clears throat> so Jewish organization, yeah, yeah, oh, okay, Catholic organization, oh. youth, youth organizations. A lot of youth. Right. It was you know attempts to reach youth and kind yeah. of basically tell them this is what happened to so, me. So I mean, how old were you when you got there? I was eighteen when I got there. When you when you threatened somebody with shaving their hair in the seventies, it was a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Right, That's right. right. It's all about the hair. But I actually, t- I actually had a. So when I went in, I already had short hair, but <clears throat> I, I knew that I was, I was going to need to cut my long hippie hair at that point. Mm. Um, so I had a cousin who was in Sinanon out in Santa Monica. No, no kidding. Yeah, for, he he was he lived there for three and a half years. Oh, wow. He was the one that talked me into going into Logos hmm. because yeah. the people that were running Logos, he knew from Sinanon, and he knew that I would be in the right hands because at that, wow. at, at that point, you know, I was I had gotten into so much trouble. I had gotten arrested for selling heroin in New York. And, I was going to ask and, you, and this what is was at your, a, 
So you were young when this happened. I was young. Yeah. What was your drug of choice? I was going to ask. It was you heroin for okay. about three years. Well, I want to say that from makes like, three of us. Yeah, from like f- yeah. fifteen to eighteen. So logos is derived from a Greek word, various with various meanings, meaning ground, opinion, expectation, um, account, reason, proportion. Reason. There's there's a lot of. Uh, it depends on who used it and when, yeah. uh-huh. uh, which is, you know, it's pretty cool. Well, Viktor Frankl was a guy who went through the Holocaust, and he was a psychiatrist, and he had this thing called logos, logotherapy, and uh, that might be uh, have something to do with what you, what the, why they named it that. It was, it was, it was really meaning life, uh, finding a meaning of life. That's, yeah, yeah, that's what it was about. Yeah, so that's probably how they, how they crafted it, and uh, <clears throat> and you know. Like, like a like Synanon, We were talking earlier that it started out; it was doing great things, and then it sort of turned and, and became, uh, you know, it, it kind of went down the tubes and became negative because people just lost their minds and and lost sight of what they were there for. Right. There was a lot of issues in Logos too. Like after I left, there were executives that were um you know mismanaging funds and, yeah and it was maybe yeah. a couple of years after i left they they closed down because of it so but you know there are still tcs bad. you know there's a i want to say samaritan house is still around and phoenix house is still around and uh daytop i believe is still around and these are all cousins of logos and yeah i want right. to i want to look into some more of that synonym yeah so if you read, uh, you know, is it um, is it um, William White that does a lot of um, uh, writing about addiction and recovery? Mm-hmm. He wrote the book um, "Slaying the Dragon," which is a an amazing. I mean, it's a big book about the history of addiction and treatment in America. Wow. Yeah, and it's a it's it's an it covers everything, and and he has a, a blog. Um, I could have wrote "Chasing the Dragon," but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. There you go. Um, but he's an amazing voice in the recovery community, and he writes mm, eloquently and speaks. What was his name again? Um, uh, William White. Okay, William White. We'll have to remember that. Um, so, is that the guy from the, uh, Breaking Bad? No, it's Walter. Well, that's, that's Walter. Walter. That's yeah. Walter. Yeah, and I almost said Walter White. <laughs> it's not Walter. It's, um, it's William. So yeah. you go through this treatment center. You're there for how long? A year and a half. Year and a half. Yeah. And like, what what did you get involved in when when you left there? So, because you're you're what twenty something in New in New York. I'm, not, I'm, I'm nineteen. Yeah. Yeah. So this is 1973. <clears throat> so um, I'm just turning twenty. So I, I got out in July. I was 19. I turned 20 uh, in August of, uh, of 73. And, um, yeah, I mean, I just uh, <laughs> I had all this newfound knowledge about myself, right? I had ch- you know, changed behaviors and learned to react differently to things, and I wasn't interested in getting high anymore. It just wasn't even on my radar. You know, learning things and this sounds you know very simple but you know how to how to relearn laugh laughing at something just because it's funny you don't have to be high to find it funny right and right. food yeah. you know food tasted good even the shitty food that we ate in the program you know that i had a hand in making yeah it's um, it's, it's crazy how how different things get yes 
Yeah, small well, things. Too. Let me let me ask you this: Do you, how much do you think um, that that experience changed uh, your self identity, who you thought of yourself as being when you got out? Because I had that. I think that 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 was a big part of me. What I was, what I, helped me to get over my addiction. Yeah. So, you know, p- part of what I what I worked on in treatment was, you know, you've heard people say this a million times, you know, they felt uncomfortable in their own skin. I was just really insecure. I was scared. I I needed to get high to talk to girls, to go to parties. When I wasn't high, I was too scared to do anything socially. So I was really socially, um, you know, isolated and uh, just felt like I, I felt like I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a good enough athlete because I, you know, I played ball. I, you know, I wasn't uh, good looking enough. I didn't, um, you know, I couldn't express myself well enough. I wasn't smart enough to hang out with the smart kids. I mm. mean, there was always these levels of, you know, you're just not good enough. Right. It's, uh, gravitate towards an identity, and you can gravitate towards one that works, which is the the druggy. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So if, if I got high, and you know, everything tasted better. I felt better about myself. I, yep. you know, that was the lie that you told yourself. Yes, I could. Yeah. Go, I could go to parties. I could talk mm. to girls, and and everything became normal in terms of what I, th- how I thought I should be acting, and mm. how I thought I should be feeling. But it was all artificial. You know, it was all provided right. by heroin. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it and it took all it took all the pain away. You know, I I still remember. Like I still, you know, I work with folks who are you know, inactive addiction and struggling in active addiction. And I remember vividly the first time um, taking heroin. Uh, I remember yeah. I remember going from discomfort to euphoria, you know, in a matter of minutes. And I've uh, ne- seconds, I, really. Yeah, seconds. And yeah. I've, I've <laughs> never forgotten, you know, how dramatic that was. So I, I know what draws people to opioids, you know. Yeah, I, I, yes. Know, yeah. It's it's like I... I don't forget any of that. I, it's I, such I a don't, strong pull. I don't forget it the is. sickness. Like that's, I, I'm glad that I don't forget those things. Right. You know, like those are very important to me in, in my recovery. And and like, you know, like yourself, seeing people that are going through it now, and and like I I don't know what fentanyl feels like. I don't know what suboxone feels like. Anything like that. You know, I I know what heroin felt like, yes. and like to see what these people are are doing now, and it's like, okay, I could hustle up enough money to get a couple bags, and I'd be okay for the day. Like I see these people now, and they have to like get high like every hour, every hour and a half, like that hustle. Whoa, that was the, get. What do you mean? What? What? Because the 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 fentanyl doesn't have the half life of really? heroin. So know you have to get high a lot more. That's exactly why they're putting it in everything. Yeah, exactly. So I was <laughs> talking to a friend. A of sales. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. I was talking to a friend, and uh, I'm like, so what were you doing out there? He's like, I don't fucking know. Yeah. He's like, I tested dirty for everything. Everything. He was crack, benzo, everything. He goes, the stuff I was doing was turned pink. Like, he, he don't even know what it was. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good you know, thing. You it's, know, uh, it's so dangerous out there now yeah and and like i don't know 
you know, I, I don't mean to, and I don't want to change the subject, but, you know, we, we talked about refuge recovery earlier, mm. and I think the reason that it resonates with me so much is because, uh, you know, the way we the way we feel pain and, and, and the way we feel as, as addicts that, that, that our purpose in life is to not feel pain ever. Right. Right. Of any kind. Yeah. Right. The slightest discomfort. Got to stop it now. Yep. Got to stop it yep. right now. And then, you know, with, with Buddha and his divine wisdom, <clears throat> he talks about this concept of, of impermanence. Yes. You know? Yes. And things, you know. Bad, bad shit is not going to last forever. Nothing is going to last Nothing's forever. Nothing's going to last forever. Good stuff is not going to last forever. Mm-hmm. Bad stuff is not going to last forever. Impermanence, it, attachment. Exactly. And this whole process of, you know, through meditation and mindfulness, you know, where people are able to change their thinking around pain mm. so that it doesn't become the be-all and end-all goal of every day, every day of addiction. Like, oh, I feel discomfort, then I know how to erase it, and my purpose in, in life is to not feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the bond that that you know folks that struggle with addiction have is, you know, we're all we're all uncomfortable. We're all feeling yep. a level of pain, whether it's physical, whether it's psychological, whether yeah. it's trauma-driven. And, um, you know, we just want to get rid of it. The, the fear of pain, of being dope sick, fueled my addiction for so long. Yeah. And, like, got me into some of the worst <coughs> scrapes because, like, I would not be feeling well. I'd be trying to get what I need. The fucking lights would come on behind me and my foot would go down. Mm. And I would be in police chases. Hey, hey, I remember a couple of runs where I was I was doing putting up fence doing fences and uh, work like an animal, trying to get out of there, get the job done so I can go get my stuff. And I'd be, yeah. I wouldn't be feeling any pain, you know what I mean? I'd just be abusing my body and going as fast as I could, you know what I mean? Yeah, but then when you're done working and now you're waiting for what you need, oh, God. that's when all the, of the, that paranoia and fear and anxiety and do the sickness uh, starts setting in as the day goes on like the afternoon starts wearing on and it's mm-hmm. like it's like three thirty, four o'clock your nose is starting to run and then you're starting to feel the aches and pains and you know you really got to get out of uh, here and you're trying to put up this stupid gate and you're like what the heck are <laughs> yeah <laughs> right you know you're gonna hit traffic you gotta get to brockton you know yeah oh god I, I, I hear you, and I see a lot of that every day at work. So, you know, I work for Signature Healthcare. It's an OBAT program, office-based addiction treatment. We treat folks with uh, with Suboxone, okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm the recovery coach in the program. So what does that mean? So people take medication. It takes away, you know, withdrawal symptoms. It, mm-hmm. it helps with cravings. It helps with pain. But, you know, it affects different people different ways. Some people need more. Some people need less. But, it, yeah, that's, you know, it's a. It, they, they, they give everybody, like, the same amount. Like, all right, no, you got to start off on 24 milligrams. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of that stuff is, like, too too much. This is what's sad about it with me, Uh 
you see, when I when I finally did get sober, and I, and I, you know, I understand that some not everybody's lucky enough, but it was one of the most. It was a life transforming uh, experience. It was something that was the hardest thing I ever did. It was something that made me go from this to this. It was a disembarking point in my life. It was a a. Um, like a like a coming of age type of ritual at the age of thirty four, but you know what I mean. It was a it was a it was an experience, and now I now I'm 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 I live sober. I wouldn't want to go back there. I, I wouldn't. You t- so you're talking person. about detoxing? No, I'm talking about going through turnabout. Oh, and and dealing with all the bullshit that I had built mm. up over the years, the false uh, identity, all the stuff and and changing and and going through the fact that I was going to put one foot in front of the other and not get high again no matter what happens whether I had to be miserable for the rest of my life or not and all this stuff. Are you going to be able to I mean, how, you know, is this like comforting people through that process because i if i was comfortable it wouldn't have happened you know what i mean i don't oh, know all right so you're, you're referring to the when you're, the map medically assisted when you when you're doing the suboxone stuff and maybe it's necessary for some people because they're not going to make it any other way they're going to die which is i understand yeah and you know that's but it's sad because uh i wouldn't give those days up for anything i made some of the best friends of my life you know i i, I had some of the most enlightening experiences of my life the most changing and 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 growth and you know you uh you know you 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 are forged in those moments yeah yeah you know just a couple of words about the the medicine sorry a couple of words about about the medicine so the medical director of our program has been prescribing suboxone for i don't know 17 years okay he's got a lot of experience so not not everybody gets started at the same dose. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So sometimes people come to the program and they've never taken Suboxone before. Hmm. So they'll get started on a on a lower. Do- so the idea is the lowest possible dose to have the impact of uh, on the symptoms. Okay. Mm-hmm. On on the withdrawal symptoms. Physical symptoms. Correct. Okay. Physical and then the mental symptoms in terms of the cravings. They'll All come right. back. After they start on Suboxone, let's say they start on a Monday, they'll come back on a Wednesday. How are you feeling? <coughs> is it is it the right amount? Is it too little? Is it too much? Is it just the right amount? So there's like a touch point where the doctor will talk with the person, examine the person, and uh, see how they're doing on the medication. Sometimes people come from another Suboxone program. Maybe they got kicked out. Maybe the doctor retired. There's a million different reasons yeah, yeah. why. Hmm. So they're already on the, the medication, and they come in on a certain dose. And that dose even is examined. It's not just a knee-jerk, oh, you're on 16 milligrams you know, for the last three years. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be on 16 milligrams here. You know, yeah. It may be too much. You know. So the amounts are adjusted for the person. And um, it's it's a harm reduction mentality. So right. so if, if somebody is 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 shooting heroin, they're shooting fentanyl, right? Yeah. Um, and the likelihood of a of a fatal overdose is pretty yeah, is pretty, pretty high, high these days. So the whole idea is is minimizing the chance that somebody's going to die. Yeah. And, exactly. and listen for me for me. 
<clears throat> being alive is great, but it's just not enough. It's like, so what are you, what are you going to do now that you have this gift of life mm-hmm. yeah. that Suboxone has been able to, say, stabilize you so you're not in active addiction and you're not doing all the crazy things that would jeopardize you and the people around yes. you? Yes. So now that you've got that stability, what are you going to do with that? You know, how are you going to enhance your recovery pathway because the medicine is just not enough? Well, you know, I I have to say that uh, I wasn't strong and I was able to do that because I was strong. I was locked up for 30 days. That was my Suboxone. That was keeping me from doing anything Mm. crazy. The the symptom, the physical symptoms, I basically was, they gave me... uh, Librium, <laughs> mm. and uh, and and maybe I think I might have had some like anti diarrhea medicine or something, yeah. you know. But uh, but yeah, so I, maybe maybe if you're on the street, you know, and you're going through this awful um, craving phase, this first month or whatever, maybe it's uh, maybe that that's what its purpose is. Yeah, and and so you're you're discussing like the protocol that they do over there. I don't there there's doctors out there that don't do that. I know. You know, unfortunately. I, I know. I unfortunately they yep. they you know a, a physician and it, it was I believe they could take an 8-hour course and they could prescribe suboxone. That's correct. Um, wow. Oh, they, if they're already they a physician. If they're already a physician. Already okay. physician. Well, you could be a podiatrist and, and yeah. you know and people f- found that they could make a lot of money. So what what I don't like, and you just addressed it, was taking someone who is still hurting and and still has this mental fog and, and, you know, they're still craving these things and handing them a bunch of Suboxone. So so now you just gave them a bunch of stuff that they can make money with. You know, they can sell that and get what they need. Take home. So so like what, what you're, you know saying it like that's because uh, i tried methadone way back in the day and and that's what they did but i knew that i seen the people that were on it i'm like i don't want to fucking look like this so I, I don't think i ever went above like 35 milligrams and i think it was five weeks i was on it mm-hmm. they were like oh no 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 you need longer you need six months i'm like i don't want that i just want to detox and and feel okay yeah and uh i was self-pay and the and the lady that was dosing me was like stop paying I'm like, huh? She goes, just stop paying, and I have to detox you. I can't just throw you off. I'm like, oh, okay. So, and I, I mean, I didn't end up staying sober because I didn't know anything about recovery or AA or anything like that. You know, I just, like back then, they prescribed benzos and methadone. You know, like you had to go see the doctor and, and get on a, a um, you know, some type of psych med or or anxiety or depression or something how long are the people usually on suboxone you know honestly we have we have a guy in the program that's been taking suboxone for 20 years he's on two milligrams and you know it's it's one of those things that he just feels that uh he needs to stay on it and he stays on it um you know okay and if he, yeah, if if he has a uh, if he feels he has a good own. life and and he's working and everything is is going great, awesome. Yeah, and and, and that happens to be the scenario with this gentleman. So, listen, addiction medication MAT 
it's an approach that works well for some people, yeah, not right. everybody. Right. right. It's the same as, you know, TCs, they they don't work for everybody, but they work for some people. Yep. 12 mm. step works for a lot of people, but mm-hmm. a lot of people have trouble wrapping their head around it. Uh, smart recovery. I mean, you can go down the list of the exactly. Th- of there, the there is no monopoly. There. there is no monopoly. There's right. no perfect it's, formula that works right. for everybody. <coughs> yeah, you know, I've, for I, sure. And and there was times when you know I was like, ah, fuck you, you got to do it this way. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's not the case. Like, yeah. And and one of the unfortunate things in the recovery community, and I hear this from folks, um, you know, who might go to a, an AA or an NA meeting, and you know. If they're taking medication, you know, people feel ostracized because, yeah. um, you know, the, there's a very strong sense of, well, you know what, if you're if you're taking medication, you're taking Suboxone, then that's not real recovery. And people need connection in the community, that's right? Because right. if they're if yeah. they're if they're not yeah. in a TC for a year or two years, right? So they've got the community. They've got the recovery community, and I push hard to try to get people to come out of the isolation, you know, mm. of active addiction, and connect with people who are on a journey. You know, it may not be the exact same journey as that person, but it's a recovery journey. Yes, and and connecting in the community is just so important. So that if I push somebody to go, you know, try an NA meeting out, try an AA meeting out. And they go and they hear this, you know, this sort of negative feedback where somebody's judging their, you know, the the integrity of their recovery because they're taking medication. Yeah, that sucks. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, that no, bothers me. It can it can kill. Yeah, it can kill. Yeah, yeah. Stigma. I mean, it, it happens with addicts in general. So then to have addicts stigmatizing other addicts, yes. it's it's, oh, the, it's, the, you know. it's an us and them mentality, and, yeah. and it's not right. We need to be as inclusive as possible because people are dying. Yeah, and, and right. you know, there's there's, but there's also those people that you come across that are not doing what they're supposed to do, and, and yep. you know, like. If, oh, it's a, it's our it's, it's it's more likely than not. It's it's, our, it's difficult it's because you're you're handing someone who is an addict a, a, a very large means of of getting messed up, and, and like I think that's why like the methadone worked well because you had to show up every day and you got your dose and you know it's it, you know like you said this this. There's levels to this. Right. There's lots of levels. Yeah, and 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 the 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 war cry is evidence based treatment. Yeah. Evidence based treatment. So the evidence, you know, the studies show that people that are on addiction medications, you know, stay, you know, um, um, there's a there's a a, a, gra- a far greater reduction in the number of people that suffer fatal overdoses as a result of using either methadone or suboxone mm-hmm. or, or vivitrol mm-hmm. so listen i i come from a from a world of you know um no evidence you yeah. know Ab- abstinence based recovery that right. no one tracks no one tracks no right. one can track right, right. so what, what happens t- to me just you know in when i'm not at work and um, you know, doing a refuge recovery group at the sober at, at Revelations Recovery, or I'm down at the, at the jail in Plymouth. 
you know, it's the magic of what happens in that circle that yeah. that just you can see recovery, you know, taking place before your very eyes. Right. You know, people, mm. um, you know, trust the group enough, trust the circle enough, trust each other enough to share truth about themselves, and that's when that's when recovery takes place. Yes. You know, so. I, I love that, and I try to move people cool. in my recovery coach role towards situations like that. So, you know, to tell somebody who in Brockton, you know, I'm, I'm in Abington, but I'm practically in Brockton, you know, to go to the recovery center in Situate, I might as well be telling them, you know, uh, it's in Iowa. I mean, for somebody know, to go, know. <laughs> you know, from Brockton to Situate to yeah. go to a, you know, a Faith Finders meeting or Derek's, you know, 12-step meeting on Saturday or, yeah. you know, meditation or acupuncture or women's discussion groups. I mean, they have wonderful programs for yeah. folks in recovery, you know. Yeah. We, and, we, and that's the, the thing is, is they ask the community what they would like. Exactly. What do, what what does this center need to provide? Right. And you know these recovery centers are popping up everywhere, which I think is great because you're. It is you know, great having the the community. Like, the, we went through turnabout and and like one of the best feelings for me was after I was out of the house, always being wel- welcomed back, like to be able to walk into that house yes. and they're like, "What do you need?" Yeah. What, you got to do laundry or something? Like you, you hungry? You want some food? Like what? What do you need? You know, like yeah. You go downstairs and you'd be you'd be in the kitchen eating something and you'd be yeah. rapping with somebody. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because when we were there, we had to talk with each person individually in the house. Yeah, like and it would to, call to, you, it would be called a rap. It would yeah, rap sessions, and you needed to complete that before you could like move up to your next phase of the twenty of the minutes minimum. Center. I think it was. Yeah, yeah, and. It it just you you never knew what you could say that could either you know make someone want to stay or you know what I mean right like right. someone that was like yeah I don't know about this you know this is getting a little crazy with the fucking signs and you know now we got to clean up the fucking grease trap smells like an open butthole <laughs> like <laughs> that was punishment like go get the vacuum but th- the thing <laughs> is here all right you're using a, a a shop vac right you're sucking out a grease trap. And you're stinking up the entire house. So not oh, only yeah. is this one guy paying for it, but now everybody here is paying for it because you screwed up. Yeah, they're pissed you off know? at you. <laughs> so you you definitely like bringing the bringing that guy his shit when he's done. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that was it. It just worked very well for me. But the, and but it seems yeah. it seems to have worked well for you for it did. Yeah, a number of years being being it a did. part of. Uh, yeah, is important. Yeah, yes. it was a community. Like yeah. if something needed to be done, we all got together and we took care of it. You know, like yes. even even if you know we were in the house and we thought someone wasn't okay, it's like I'd grab Tom. Hey, he look all right. I don't know. House meeting. House meeting. Mm. And then we came together as a community and decided what to do. Right. You know, and and like that's a lot of people don't get to experience that. You know, and now with these recovery centers popping up and and developing a recovery community where there normally may not be one, you know, oh, it, it, I think it's great. What I love about it, guys, is that it draws it draws people from the recovery community who 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 want to share their voice and yep. share their experience, 
Um, and then people that, that walk into the center or volunteer at the center or attend groups at the center, you know, end up getting exposed to, to these folks' experience. Yes. And, uh, you know, th- there, are, there are a couple of, of, of guys and girls in the recovery community who I, I would travel, I would fly um, cross-country to hear them speak, you know, just, right. just to hear them speak. And they're just, you know, they're just recoverees like you and me, but the, but the way they're able to package the message right. is just uh, is healing in and of itself, you know. Mm. Uh, like, you guys know Jimmy DeVoy? Yes, yeah. So, I, I mean, Jimmy, I don't want to embarrass him, but... Um, I'll, if I'm if I hear that he's speaking somewhere, I'll really go out of my way. Anytime I've been in a room with him and he's told his story or, or talked about a particular subject, I'm I'm mesmerized. Yeah. and I'm and and 47 years later, I'm I'm still getting well. I mean, from hearing him, um, you know, uh, talk about his own recovery. Yeah, it's yeah. it's amazing. And and like I knew. I've known Jimmy for a while, Have you? and and like when I heard him share, probably like a year ago, I'm like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> I used to know the guy, right? But like the guy that's up here speaking now, yeah. Like, where'd you come from? You yeah. know, yeah. but yeah, that's well, it's, the thing. It's, that's it's all about growth. It's all about changing. Yeah, it's all about becoming. And uh, and uh, yeah, I, I I feel bad uh, for people who who don't experience that. Even like people right. who've never had addictions or anything, and they don't have the chance to like go through um, that rite of passage type of experience. You yeah, know? it's it, a like, beautiful thing. Yeah, for for me, like um, like simple sobriety is not enough. Like I, it's you know, and and I'm I'm not perfect. I fuck up all the time. All kinds of stuff. Oh, like, well, I, I have to say you, sorry. I, know I'm I have to say sorry all the time, you know. And but I also know that that's okay. Yeah, you know, because I am I am human. I do make mistakes. Um, that's the you thing. Know, you have to learn to love yourself. And I, you know, try because try and, of your mistakes. Right. Try and <laughs> you know fix those mistakes as as best as I can. Um, one of, I mean, one of the gifts in recovery is the the self awareness that we develop, so that right. we're we're able to catch ourselves being assholes. You know, like, yes, yes. Like yeah. it doesn't necessarily stop us from being an asshole, but <laughs> I know I am. Sometimes, but a lot of times it doesn't. You're right. But yes, you, but like the minute sometimes words will tumble out of my my mouth, and I'm like, oh, you were just such an asshole. Yeah, you feel it. You <laughs> feel, feel it. it now. But you can you can act on trying to correct it and almost make an amend on the spot. Right. You know. Yes. Um, and it's that that guilt that gift of self awareness and mm. and and paying attention to your thinking you know yes um and and that's a, a huge gift from refuge recovery yes you know? and like i'm reading I'm, I'm almost done with with the everything but the stories and it's like wow yeah you know it it makes you think it does and and, and it puts you know a lot of things in perspective like i was sit down shut up you got you know go sit up front blah 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 and you know, all the while this all this other stuff, you know. But it 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 appeared when it was supposed to exactly. for me, you know. So we do we do readings at at the jail and uh, at the sober house, and we'll go paragraph by paragraph. Yeah. And I've again, I'm not a twelve step guy, um, but within the writings of um, 
of Noel Levine and, and Refuge Recovery, within the chapters, there's a lot of 12-step concepts. So, yes. So people that have had 12-step exposure um, gravitate to— And they can identify. They can identify yeah. with Refuge Recovery. Especially with the inventories and, and yes. you know, like— Pretty, exactly. Those things are pretty in depth. They are in depth, yeah. you know, which is good. I, I did so. So one of my first uh, uh, groups at the at the at the uh, sober house in Situate, Derek's house, by the way, Derek Quirk. Shout out to my boy. Um, I, I I love what he's what he's done with his with his house with his house, and now uh, yes. he's going to open his second house, Joseph's Joseph's place. Uh, the open house is this Saturday in Kingston. Mm-hmm. I wish I knew the address, but uh, if you go on Revelations Recovery website, I'm sure you'll see it, or the uh, or the Facebook page, which yes. is probably what people have most access so you, access to. So, Derek, you just we just announced that to a lot of people, so you better make sure you have enough food. That's right. <laughs> He, you know, he never has enough food. Anything that I've ever been to, there's never been enough food for me. I'm right, just speaking right. for me, not for anybody else. But uh, you know, it's all you know. Recovery too is 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 a lot about the people that you meet along the way. Yes, and uh, you know, becoming friends with Derek and 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 Sammy um, at at High Point a couple of years ago, um, was, uh, was great. I was, I was recovery coaching and doing CSP work for High Point back in 2017. And that's where I met Derek and Sammy and they were doing the, uh, the arch program. They were doing the, uh, on-call recovery coaching at, uh, Brockton hospital yep. and good Sam. Yeah. Um, and, uh, got to spend a lot of time with them running groups at Matsy and Batsy and trying to get people, uh, who are going through the shorter term treatment to get connected with a CSP person at the end of their treatment, so yeah, that yep. you know they could continue the momentum and deal and, with and and the CSP they they like try and help you figure out what you're going to do when you get out. Exactly. What, what does yeah. CSP stand for? So it stands for Community Support Program, and okay. it was basically mobile uh, recovery coaches. So we would sit hmm. with the person prior to them finishing their treatment and go through sort of a needs assessment, you know, do they need, you know, is their insurance tight? Do they need a pri- to choose a primary care physician? Do they have medical issues they haven't addressed, you know, going to the dentist? And now you would physically bring the people? If, so if we would, we would come up with a structured wellness or recovery plan on paper, like a roadmap, anything that was um, consistent with that, with that plan, we would transport them. If it was a, if it was a job interview, yeah. if it was an appointment at Social Security, if it was and DPA. all this stuff reimbursed, right? So Mass Health would, you know, so if you worked for High Point, you know, you would put in a certain number of units, and insurance would pay yeah, for it. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah, yeah. Which is which is huge because oh, an early recovery. That, that is, is one of the biggest deterrents. I would think it's like, I don't have a doctor. I don't have this. I don't have that. And then they start thinking of all these things and they start getting overwhelmed. And, and now you have this person that could say, all right, hold on. We're going to take care of this first. Right. Then we'll take care of this. Exactly. And, and yeah. just, you know, make some sense to the madness that's that's going on. Because if you're out there ripping and running, you haven't been taking care of nothing. Nothing. For a long time. Right. You know, and, and you know, a lot of people will get sober, see all that, and be like, oh, it's too much. Yeah, and, and and it doesn't even have to be that major. 
You know what I mean? It's just so many things on top. Like if you look look at a big pile of shit and you got to move it, like I don't want to move all that. Where do but, I stick the shovel? Yeah, first, you yeah. Know? So now, a CSP worker will help. take care of it one turn at a time. You're all right. right. You know, it's right. crazy. And then people coming out of you know out of incarceration too. A lot of times, you know, we'll come in contact with them. They'll be referred to us. You know, they'll have a, a parole officer who'll mm-hmm. say, you know, well, in, in two weeks, you, you got to have a job, you got to have this, you got to have that. A lot of times the aftercare preparation isn't uh, top notch. You know what I'm saying? And guys come yes. out, you know, and they've got a history of, of, of opioid use disorder and the pressure of trying to get it. You know, I got to I got to find a sober house. I got to pay for it. I got to get a job. I got to go to meetings. I got to go to counseling. I got to go to the Suboxone program. There might be eight, ten things it's that like, fuck must it, I'm going to get high. Yeah, and the, exactly. And I'll go back. Exactly. Yeah. So it's um, it's wow. it's, it's tough in early recovery. Man. Yes, you know, it is. And I'm, really you know, I'm I'm glad that I, yeah. you know, I'm glad the exposure that I got was a TC. Yeah. You know, it's it was it was exactly what I needed. Um, One of the lucky things for me is. The counselor who was most influential to me when I was going through the TC is somebody that I'm still friends with today. So um, he, he's, uh, his name is Stu Teagle. He's been in an addiction um, family therapist, um, you know, focusing on, on addiction and the impact on families, mm. you know, for forever. That's his life's career. And uh, just, you know... <coughs> You come in contact with people, and and all he did was all he did was was give me trust, and give me the sense that I had value, and mm. he would huh. you know he he let me babysit for his you that's know big. that's huge yeah his 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 you know nine month old daughter he and his wife went to you know went to the movies one night and. I was the babysitter. I'm in, so I'm in the woods in, in, in upstate New York babysitting for this, you know, for this child. And, you know, I'm, I'm a dope fiend from, you know, from Long Island. And, you know, he's, yeah. he's saying, you know what, Kenny, I know you can do this. So just take care of it. And they, they fucking went out to dinner and went to the movies. And then there I am and the baby's sleeping. And I'm watching, you know, Night of the Living Dead on a little black and white TV, and I'm scared <laughs> shitless in the middle of the woods. It's dark as, oh, you know, yeah. there's not a light on, and I'm <laughs> like, what am I doing? So, uh, but something as small as that right, was right. huge to me. Yeah, someone had, a, someone had a little faith in you. A little you gave faith. a little grain of right. self-respect. That's, yeah. That's right. And, yeah. you, and you, can build, cool. you can build recovery, you know, around something like that. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Re- recovery. To get restored to a former state, yeah, yeah. you know, it's. It, I'm I'm actually glad that there's like so many more pathways now. You know, because yeah, I, I've seen people struggle <coughs> for a long time that that weren't too keen on the whole religious thing, and not saying that that AA or NA is religious, but hearing the terminology, reading the literature. One one could assume that it was, you know, like it says God a lot in in the big book and yeah, of course. It's, some it's, people may not, you know, they they that may not be their thing. So now you get refuge, you get smart recovery, you get right. You know, it, I, w- I was raised in a household 
where religion and spirituality was regarded as mumbo jumbo. Yeah. Okay. And my dad, who was he was the grandson of a rabbi, he was well read in Jewish history and culture. But if you told him he had to go to a temple and attend, you know, like a formal, um, you know, um, um, service, he's like, that's all mumbo jumbo. He didn't believe in God, really? nothing. So I went through my whole life. So I'm 66 now. I was in my middle 50s, and I got exposed to uh, a group that was studying, um, you know, doing some spiritual reading. And it was, you know, my wife at the time who was into it. And she, you know, she would invite me to come to the group, and I'd be like, oh, come on, do I have to play? So I resisted for a long time, and then finally one day I went. And uh, I'm still now going to – it's over 10 years now that I've been uh, you know, studying uh, something called uh, Course in Miracles, and it's, it's all about spirituality. And I was just a little bit open. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the rest, the universe took care of. And um, I'm the last person in the world, and you can ask my sisters, um, to be embracing spirituality and prayer and, uh, you know, the the power of love and, and believing that the universe puts us exactly where we're supposed to be. Right. I'm all about that now. Exactly. And, and, like, I didn't – I wasn't, like, brought up in my recovery on that either. Um, that's more, you know – in the recent years that I, I, I just think I was very close minded. You know, I, I was taught a certain way and right, that's, that's right. how I, okay, so this is what I got to do. And then, but then, you know, as things happen and it's like, wow, you know, I start seeing all these coincidences, but, right, but no, they're not. no, but they're not. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, I think as a whole, the world is starting to wake up. As a whole, we've been like they—they they want us in front of the TV, they want us here, and they want us there, and and people are like not getting fulfillment out of that anymore, and and they're searching other ways and finding out, you know, how it should be, hmm. and how how you know the 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 things that are going to make us feel good and last, and they're not going to ruin our lives, you know. It's and, and, and it's to, possible. And, and that to, sounds to, good. Yeah, and to people who are who you're trying to convince that being in recovery is better than being in active addiction, you know, um, it's work. Yes, to be in recovery, it's, yes, it, it, it's hard work. And I just start with the concept of just be open, man. Just just be a little bit open, a little bit willing. You know, those are cliches, but they're really not cliches because not at all. You'll you'll you know you'll you'll walk into a meeting with other people. And you'll hear something said that's been said a million times before, but that night, at that moment, you'll hear it said in a way that's packaged differently than right. you've ever heard right. it before. And, it'll and, get, you, and it'll you, get through. Too. And it'll get through, and it'll be a, yeah. a, a real legitimate pearl of wisdom. Yeah, it's, you know? it, and it's it's happened. Like uh, there was a lot of this stuff was being said for years. You know, it's not. I've said it before. It's not like when I walked into a meeting, they took the book and put it away. Oh, right. No, he. No, it was always there. Right. It's it's when whoever it is, whatever it is, thought I was ready f- to be exposed to it and that it would have maximum benefit for there me. There you go. There you, you go. Know? And, so, and it did. So yes. That's awesome. Yes. So yeah. you you go into the jail, you do the refuge recovery for the inmates, which is 
Plymouth House Correction is where I got sober and my journey started down in Newman. Yeah. Not going to forget it. Not going to forget it. Well, what I what I do is, uh, and, and and so last last Friday I didn't do it, but it's it's two Fridays a month, and I I bring trivia questions, right? And it could be movie trivia, it could be Motown trivia, whatever it is. And I, it's kind of an icebreaker. I ask some trivia yeah. questions, and uh, and then we do, you know, usually ten, twelve minutes of meditation. Don't want to push it, right? Um, and then we do some reading, and at the end of every paragraph, you know, open it up to the to the circle. Yeah. Uh, did anything in this reading, you know, resonate with you? And uh, the guys are really all about sharing and all about supporting each other and listening to each other. Um, and the and the hour goes uh, incredibly quickly. Yes. You know. Yes, and you know, the, wow. you get to it, that's in the the recovery unit. Right, it is. Yeah, the uh, SUD unit. So guys usually spend like four months. Yeah, there. which is you know, they they're going to benefit from it the most. Yes. But I think there would be a lot of other people in there that could benefit from it as well. Yes, you know, because um, I know it was not easy to get into the drug unit. You know, sometimes you had to wait until certain people got out or right. whatever, and you know, it, was, it seemed like a chore. I was I was lucky enough to get into it. And the whole unit was single cells. Mm-hmm. Like there was only one bed even welded to the wall. The other one hadn't even been put in yet. Okay. And I think it was three months I got to do that. I was like, this is great. <laughs> Get to go back to my unit and, you know, do whatever. It was. It, it gave me a lot of time to sit with self, which I hadn't done for a lot of years. Mm. You know, and like basically started my journey before I even knew. You know, I found AA in jail. You know, people coming in, they do. putting on yeah. commitments. They still come in. Yeah. You know, it yeah. was uh, it was Jack the Marine. It was this guy Phil. Like, exposed me to that. And like the first time I identified was with a woman who was sharing. You know, and like our stories were very different, but what I identified with was the feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was like, wow. What I, what I love about that program too is that so guys will do their four months. <clears throat> But they, they're also sometimes invited back to spend more time on the unit to be mentors yes. to the to the new guys coming yep. in. And I I mean I love that because, you know, and you know, you know a lot about what happens in jail and to and to just see the, the guys truly caring about each other yeah. and, and wanting to have yeah, each other's back cool. and, yeah. and you know um, we had um it's a great piece of it. When you were in your T C did you we had big brothers. So, like, when we got in, they would assign us to someone who would show us the ropes. Yes. Did they have that? In the beginning, yeah. Um, I remember walking in day one, and it's – so in the Bronx house where I spent my first week, and then I went up to the upstate facility, it was in a former um, nunnery. It was a convent. Oh, yeah. It's elaborate, you know, woodwork inside and all that, but – you walked in from the street, and I'm literally eight <coughs> feet into the building was the front desk, and there was a hard wooden chair next to the desk, and it was called the prospect's chair. And you went in, and you just sat in the chair. Everybody knew you were there to, to come into the program, yeah. but they wanted you to sit on that chair and think about what you were about to do. And six <laughs> hours later, somebody came out. Wow. And... Uh, 
took me into the office and assigned me to like a big brother who took me around the house and assigned me, uh, you know, my job was going to be sweeping the stairs yeah. for a week or whatever it was. I was in a dormitory called the Prophet's Pad, you know, with uh, probably 12 or 15 other guys. And uh, that was that. <laughs> that was the introduction. I was terrified. Imagine that six hours. Yeah, six hours. Hour. What of, are you willing to do? What lengths are you willing wow. to go? And the and the outside world was eight feet. You could just get up and just yeah go out the door. They wanted to see if you really wanted right. to be there, right? Because you were. If you didn't, there was someone else that was outside in in there. You Itching know, to come in. They they were dying. Right. So right. Yeah. Well, this has been really really great. I think. Yeah, fantastic. Um, oh, thank I, you. We appreciate you coming on. Man, I'm so um, grateful to be here and, and do this. Thank you very much. There, I, I think I foresee a part two coming. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, That'll we'll have to awesome. get you on with a discussion. We like to do uh, discussions with another person. That'd yeah, we'll have month, four, four of us. Four of us, yeah. So, Love that. Thank yeah. you. Um, like, subscribe, share. Um, Thanks, everybody. Yes, lolterms.com. Appreciate you. And... Uh, I think that's about it. So, peace. peace. God bless everybody. God bless. Yes. I live in this world full of anger and